Arizona's Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling. And I don't know if you've got this phrase elsewhere in the world, but my mum always used to say, if you want it to rain in the summer, wash your car. (laughs) Basically, by washing your car, shining up those headlights, de-streaking the windows, which would of course be ruined if it rained, you would jinx the weather. And I appear to have single-handedly jinxed the weather here in Arizona by washing my car last week or rather talking about how spring had arrived because this week vast areas of the state have been ravaged by enormous winter storms freezing temperatures strong winds snow hail the full enchilada gone was the glorious sunshine and balmy breezes in came road closures and blizzards <laughs> except of course here in the valley phoenix is in this sort of weather cocoon really so even when snowstorms were blowing an hour or so away the most we saw here were thick clouds and some heavy gusts of wind still a big change from the week before It's spring break for Arizona this week, or half-term as I used to call it. You might be familiar with the phrase from TV shows and films. On screen, spring break always seems to be associated with whooping college students who descend on Florida and spend a week wearing swimsuits and chugging beer and saying, bro, a lot. My two are a bit young for that, so instead David arranged to take them camping just northeast of Phoenix to a site in a forest just outside Payson because spring was here. Remember that from last week? (laughs) But the day before they were due to leave, we actually checked the weather to see the massive front of snow coming in and also saw that it was going to be below freezing for most of the time. (laughs) Oh dear. However, a rapid Google later and I found a teeny cabin in the southeast of the state, so a little bit warmer, in a county called Cachis. It was still going to be nippy, but cabin versus tent, no contest. Sadly, my absolute mountain of work meant it was going to be a purely daddy-daughter trip this time. But wait for it, they were also taking not one, but both dogs with them. So I was home alone with just myself to worry about for four days. Well, of course, myself, two cats, seven fish and a lizard, but still only just those things to worry about for four days. Headline, looking after fish is really quite stressful. (laughs) It doesn't seem it, does it? But one of my daughter's fish, uh, beta fish, as they call them here, you might know them as Siamese fighting fish, who she called Gordon Ramsay, is so lazy that pretty much every time I walked into her room, I was convinced he was dead. Beta fish love lying really, really close to the surface on their side. It's like they're just asking to be flushed down the toilet. Very, very stressful indeed. I thought he was an ex-fish most times that I went in there. The dragon's also very clearly missing my youngest. And every time I went to feed her, despite being super happy to sit on Britta's arm and munch lettuce, she recoiled in horror every time I tried to tempt her with celery leaves. I even managed to offer up some hideous fat superworms, as they're called, proffering a wriggling lump with a pair of tweezers. She responded with the same expression that I think I would probably have if somebody brandished a massive worm at me. Didn't go down very well. Well, at least the cats were happy to be in a dog-free home, and man alive, as much as I love and miss my family, four days of not having to worry about anyone but myself...
walking into a kitchen and knowing that it would look the same as when you left it. Oh, wow. And this is from someone who is not at all house proud. My home is usually a ball of chaos and pet hair. But for the first time, I think, well, I think since I had children, I actually walked up the stairs without tripping over 89,000 things and, oh, I've just been left there till next time we go up. You know the story. I tell you, it has felt like I have been on holiday. I did get daily reports from the campfire. The winter storms had hit Cachis, so morning coffee was delayed until it warmed up a bit, as the camping stove wouldn't function until the outside temperature had gone above zero. (laughs) So thank goodness they hadn't gone north and been caught in the blizzards. Thank goodness they weren't in a tent either. Cachis is a tiny community in Cachis County in the southeast of the state. Only a handful of people still live there now, but Big Nose Kate, who owned the saloon in Tombstone, partner, of course, of Doc Holiday, actually lived in Cachis and worked in the hotel there after Doc Holiday died. The city of Cachis only really built up in the 1880s. It was created as a water and coal stop for trains on the Southern Pacific Railroad. More than 3,000 people called it home in its heyday. But like so many towns here in Arizona, like Jerome that was built around mining, when the industry went away, so did the people. Now only about 50 people live there. Cachise County, found in the southeast corner of Arizona, is home to about 130,000 people, though. And again, it's a new county in the great scheme of things, created in the 1880s. It was named after the legendary Apache warrior Cachise. More about him in a moment. Tombstone was the county seat, as they call them here, of Cachise until the 1920s, when it was changed to Bisbee, by then a thriving mining community. A famous county sheriff of Cachise was Johnny Bean, one of the main characters during the events that led up to the gunfight in the OK Corral. And did you know that the Jimmy Stewart movie Broken Arrow was set in Cachise County? You do now. So who was Cachise the man? Well, first of all, in Apache, his name means having the quality or strength of an oak. He was the Chiricahua Apache chief and one of the key Apache leaders alongside Geronimo, who fought to resist the intrusion of the European settlers onto their land in the 19th century. In fact, the film I just mentioned, Broken Arrow, set in Cachise, the Jimmy Stewart movie, features the story of Cachise, the Apache warrior, and his relationship with Tom Jeffords, who was a white man, a US Army scout and in charge of the Overland Mail in Arizona. It was his friendship with Cachise, which is often cited as being instrumental in ending the so-called Indian Wars that ripped through Arizona, New Mexico and the Sonoran region of Mexico itself. Cachise is held by many, and I quote, as the last great American Indian chief to die free and absolutely unconquered. He died in 1874 on the Chiricahua Apache Reservation in Arizona, and of course less than a decade later the county that bears his name was created. I can't wait to get back out on the road and discover more of the amazing history that this state has to offer. Until then, I'll be the one being trolled by a lazy fish and a furious lizard. I'll see you in the desert. (laughs) 